This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Climate change has been on the radar of lots of high-level individuals and governments over the last few years, but the topic drew quite a bit of attention when Pope Francis brought forth his own concerns in the area. It surprised a few people that a pope would produce an encyclical paper on the topic. Some people are suggesting that maybe this is a territory that the pope should not be involved in. Some people agree that he probably should get into this. But this is just the first of several things going on in this area. To discuss them, we are joined by Erwan Michel Kurjan, who is Executive Director of Wharton's Risk Management and Decision Processes Center. Uh, also in the studio with us, Wharton's Eric Ortz, Professor of Legal Studies and Business Ethics. And then joining us on the phone is our friend Father James Martin, who is the editor-at-large for Catholic Magazine America. Father Martin, great to have you on the phone again. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. I also want to add a Wharton grad, 1982. That's exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> and proud of it. Exactly right. Erwan, great to have you in the studio. Thank Thanks you very for much. Having me. Eric, great to see you again. Thanks Good for coming you. in. Uh, Father Martin, I'll start with you. The decision by the Pope to come out and make this opinion public, uh, I'm, I'm guessing that maybe you had heard this kind of in the, in the cycles uh, within the Church, uh, and how unusual is it for a, a sitting Pope to take a stance like this? Oh, yeah, it had been uh, talked about for at least two years. He had uh, made public the fact that he was working on this encyclical, on this topic. Uh, it is unusual that he turns his attention to the environment specifically. You know, previous popes have talked about it, you know, very uh, seriously, but not in a kind of systematic way as he is in the encyclical. But it's part of Catholic social teaching that looks at uh, bringing to bear uh, the Church's teaching on, you know, important issues of the day. So in that sense, it's it's not that unusual. But what is it specifically that Pope Francis sees that, from his perspective, that, that needs to be addressed at this point? Well, I mean, he's looking at it from a spiritual and religious point of view, uh, that, you know, cre- that creation is something that God has given us to, as they say in the encyclical, uh, you know, quoting Genesis, Genesis, to till the earth and keep it. And we've done a good job of tilling it, but not such a great job of keeping it. Uh, and you know, it's 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 also something I think as a you know as a world citizen, obviously he is uh, concerned about. So it's not only a practical uh, response, but it's also a kind of spiritual response to a, an important question. Or one, did it surprise you as well? Uh, no, I think people have just short memories. Not the first time that uh, popes actually take take position on on big issues. Uh, maybe fifty years ago, uh, Pope Saint uh, John the Twenty Third actually wrote a very influential encyclical on, on nuclear uh, proliferation and peace. So if you go back in history, uh, popes have been from time to time taking a strong position on issues. And then uh, when, the, uh, when, the, well, when, when he became the Bishop of Rome, the, the choice of St. Francis was, to me, very, very clear, uh, the sense of the environment, uh, ecology. So I'm not totally surprised. Actually, I'm not surprised at all that the environmental issues is, is taking center stage. And as it was mentioned a minute ago, uh, this is not something that just came out of the blue. That was something that has been worked with many uh, leading scientists and economists and other uh, stakeholders around the world for the past two years. Eric? Yeah, I think I would agree with uh, everything that's been said so far. Uh, one thing that I might mention when I read the encyclical is that it's uh, it's worth reading, even if you are not coming from a Catholic perspective. I think that Pope Francis clearly is targeting a broader audience, mm-hmm. and so uh, and you can see that within the document itself, there are sections that are clearly uh, speaking to the faithful. 
But um, even if you're not Catholic, if you're even if you're not religious at all, actually, I think that the document raises a lot of very important and, uh, and, and issues that are worth debating. Issues going from uh, consumer lifestyles. Uh, is it really possible, for example, to expect that we're going to have all of the developing world uh, come to the same style of uh, life that we're, we enjoy now? Is that, is that going to be even feasible? I think many, most scientists and others say no. Uh, what are the styles of policy with respect to how we handle this issue? Uh, there's been some waves made in the encyclical by uh, the Pope suggesting that maybe carbon trading is not actually a, perhaps an ethical or, even, or an effective way to do it, or we should think about, think about that in, in different ways. So I think there are lots of issues that are raised in the encyclical. Well, I guess the last thing uh, strikes me about uh, the, the event is the political effect that this is likely to have, especially in the United States, where we have so many people who are religiously uh, uh, believers compared to uh, some other advanced democracies. And uh, my sense is that this is quite likely to have an effect on the political debates and maybe take it out of the left versus right rut that we've gotten into, unfortunately. Um, you could diagnose some of the reasons why that's happened. So I think it's very positive and worth uh, worth reading, even if you're not Catholic. It's, the encyclical is worth reading if you're not Catholic. Yeah, yeah and the other thing, um, I'm surprised at how, I, my, my sense many people have not read the, the text, because actually when you do read the text, the, the word climate change uh, appears only seven times yeah. out of 180 pages. So <laughs> uh, yes, this is about climate. I think that, as Eric mentioned, that's much broader than just the term climate change, which really here in the U.S. has become extremely uh, toxic, politically speaking. You cannot have an open discussion left or right about, about climate change. But so, uh, no, I heard you, as, as Eric said, just to read it. And actually, it's, uh, it's pretty much an easy read. It's extremely well written uh, and thoughtful uh, for a uh, for, uh, majority of it. Uh, Father Martin, obviously, this as we've been talking about, this discussion has been around for a little time now. Uh, I, I guess, obviously, the... the the power that the that the office of, of being the pope has really gives Pope Francis the belief that he can make some change here, that he has the ability to push this forward, maybe in some areas where governments haven't been able to solve this problem. Well, I think that's true. I also think uh, he is inviting people to dialogue. Uh, another word that hap occurs in the document a lot is dialogue and debate. And he said, I'm inviting everyone into this dialogue, and uh, it's addressed to... Uh, you know, every person, um, as one of your uh, guests was saying, it's it's not simply to Catholics. It's, I think, every person living on the planet. So it's a kind of call for global dialogue. So he's trying to push that ahead. I mean, interestingly, he also includes uh, insights from different bishops' conferences, that is, groups of bishops uh, from around the world, from, you know, the Philippines, Japan, Australia, uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, America. So he's trying to make a kind of a, a global discussion, basically. And you're, you're right, uh, to your first point, it is a very... Uh, authoritative teaching and encyclical in kind of Catholic theology is a very high level of teaching. It's not just a, you know, it's not a homily, it's not an off-the-cuff remark, it's not even a book that he wrote. It's, even though it's book length, he's putting behind it the sort of full authority of his office and saying, you know, basically this is an important topic and I want all people, all Catholics, uh, to, to pay attention. But in the end, when you really break it down, you're talking about uh, the Pope, who is respected by pretty much everybody around the globe, going in and trying to make governmental change. Uh, does that become tough when you when you take the 
you know, the Pope will make his plea to a government, but then it gets back to the actual government, the people that are running the government that, that are the people that need to make this change. Can that happen? That may even be the bigger challenge. Well, it could be. I, I would say uh, it's not simply a, a sort of call to social change. It's also a call to personal conversion. So the Pope is also appealing to people. Uh, not, it's not simply a kind of political, political document. He is appealing to people on a personal level to change the way that they make decisions, change the way that they look in the environment, uh, and, and, and particularly in this document, remember the poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember how our decisions individually and corporately affect the poor. So uh, it's not simply a social document. It's also a kind of call for pol- uh, personal conversion. If I can add to that, to what Father Martin just said, I think the, the year is well chosen. COP21 is happening in December in Paris. Mm-hmm. Uh, around the world, you see large corporations actually making much more effort to either combat uh, changing climate or to adapt to that changing environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, multi-billion dollar company are making more decision-making today than maybe five or ten years ago. So in a way, it's not, it's not a single event happening, to your point. It's more about having a, a trend towards uh, being much more respectful of the environment and finding the right technology uh, the last word in the encyclical is interesting, the very last part called uh, Beyond the Sun, where you say, let's get together and take charge. Yeah. Uh, so it's not a soft pope, as we knew <laughs> it was not, but uh, it's, yes, we can do something about it. And I think from uh, very much a very, uh, very American spirit, so to speak, let's, let's get together, let's, let's do it. Yeah, one, one other thing to add on, uh, on this point, I think, is, the, is, the, is to emphasize his focus on how consumers also have to think about these issues. So yeah. many times we uh, think about environmental problems as one of the government. And so there's an interpretation, well, he must be asking governments to change. But I think uh, Father Martin and Erwan is, is correct to say this is really aimed more broadly to looking at your own behavior. Businesses uh-huh. respond to demand. So if consumers are going to change demand, you know, their own uh, sense of what they want, and and uh, it's going to take more of a environmental tinge, yeah, sure. then businesses will respond to that. And I think that that has it exactly right if we think about market-driven change. It's not only citizens lobbying governments for one uh, law or another. It's also consumers taking a hand in deciding what they want. So then with this, basically having been on his plate for the last couple of years, and now the encyclical being out and... What is really do you see as the next step in this process? I mean, you could, you want to obviously reach as many people as you possibly can because, like many things, a grassroots effort can really change this this course that we're talking about because some of the numbers in terms of the cost of climate change over the next you know, 50, 60, 70 years are well into the hundreds of billions of dollars. There's the potential of lost lives because of this. Sure. So what is the, ne- the next step for the Pope? Well, I think, very, I mean, as Eric mentioned, you very much depend on who you are. I use the CEO of a large uh, American corporation versus a German corporation. I use a newly elected president of a country. Are you a simple citizen, consumer? And how is, how is that debate going to influence your behavior? I think the one point I will say, and I say it already, is we, we keep talking about climate change as a big topic that's almost difficult for anyone to grasp. Mm-hmm. And both Eric and I teach uh, here at the Warden School in the uh, uh, classes in the MBA program on these issues. And at the end of the day, to me, it's all about turning that old debate into a value creation debate yeah, yeah. rather than blaming anyone or telling people what not to do. 
Uh, I think there are ways to address some of these issues. And again, I don't think it's just about climate change. It's more about uh, how our behavior impacts the environment. And as the encyclical actually starts, how the environment and planet Earth has already started to fight back. That is uh, Wharton's uh, Erwan Michel Kerjan, director of the Wharton uh, Risk Management Decision Processes Center. Also in the studio with me, Eric Wartz, uh, professor of legal studies and business ethics. And joining us on the phone, Father James Martin, who's the editor in large for Catholic Magazine America, and as he mentioned, a Wharton grad <laughs> from a couple of decades ago. Uh, your comments are welcome as well. We'd like to get your uh, feedback on the Pope being involved in this area. Area 844 Wharton 844 942 7866 is the number to give us a call. Uh, Father Martin, obviously, for people here in the United States, a lot of people uh, have already started to focus. And obviously, here in the city of Philadelphia, there are massive preparations going on for the visit of the Pope uh, in late September. Uh, my my gut feeling is is that this topic will somehow, some way, find its way into his agenda when he is here in Philadelphia in a couple of months in late September. Oh yeah, it has to. Uh, he just released the um, the Vatican just released this morning the official um, uh, schedule of the Pope, and uh, you know he'll be uh, not only speaking to a joint session of Congress, but and also meeting with President Obama, but also speaking a number of times in Washington. Philadelphia uh, and New York City. So at least once he's going to mention that document. He has to. Uh, and I would imagine it'll come up during his uh, address to Congress. So yeah, I think, interestingly, your last question about what's next, I think the, for the Pope, the next step is dialogue, dialogue and debate. So yep. he wants this to be a big discussion. And I think he will continue that discussion, uh, at least you know, try to jumpstart it when he comes to the States in September. I would be very interested to see the reaction of a joint session of Congress <laughs> with the Pope standing there. You know, it, 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 it's, I, Maybe I, he can get some dialogue going. Well, yeah. I, 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 I almost... Yeah, he's not a miracle worker, though. No, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but he might be the one guy that could, could maybe get well, some of the backlog out of Washington, D.C. Yeah, I think, you know, what's interesting is we tend in the United States, and I, I'm guilty of this sometimes myself, too, uh, to frame things in political, left, right, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal. Yeah. You know, the church is kind of, uh, you know, sort of transcends a lot of those categories or many of those categories. And I think when he comes to Congress, he's going to be an equal opportunity uh, disturber. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I would imagine he's going to talk about both. Well, in addition to climate change and the poor, he'll talk about right to life. He'll talk about uh, the economy. He'll talk about the consumer's culture. So I would think that uh, both sides of the aisle are going to be squirming in their seats, which is, you know, what the, <laughs> the, the church is supposed to do. The, the, old, um, the old saying is uh, comfort the afflicted, but afflict the comfortable, too. Yeah, and that's what the uh, U.S. Congress used to do many years ago. It was called discussion and debate about yeah, right. uh, national issues. So. I, I just I just have this vision of like the old Catholic school classroom with uh, with the nun with the with the uh, with the ruler in her hand or the yardstick in a ruler. I could I, I, I honestly I'd like to see it. We, you know, with the Pope going through the through the aisle saying, "No, no, no, you're not very nice." Whack right over the hands of some congressman. Not that that's going to happen, but that's, that's just me. But no, but nonetheless, it's a very important time. Uh, Father Martin for uh, for the United States with all of these meetings coming up in, in, in September and obviously as we've said climate change is a, is a big part of this well yeah particularly well timed uh, you know in terms of uh, all the stuff that's going on in the UN and the United States and you know obviously just just an important time uh, you know scientifically too uh, but you know one of your uh, guests made a, an important point which is that um, you know, his popularity, I think, makes this also an, uh, an issue that people are going to be paying attention to. Yeah. You know, uh, not to compare the two, but I think, you know, had Benedict XVI uh, 
uh, written something about it, it might not have gotten as much attention just because of uh, Francis's immense popularity. So he is not only uh, putting the full weight of his office behind it, he's also putting his uh, considerable charm and popularity behind it, too, which is, I think, all to the good. The other topic to bring up in this area was the recent note a couple of days ago that uh, the Supreme Court uh, basically blocked down uh, a piece of the environmental puzzle that President Obama has been trying to put forward, Eric, and, and talk a little bit about that decision by the by the Supreme Court. Well, there have been a couple of different developments. One is a report by the EPA, which came out that puts a number on a number uh, some of the climate change uh, costs that we, if we have a business of usual as usual trajectory, what what we're going to experience. And as you said at the top, uh, it's, we're in the billions of dollars of what we're talking about in terms of uh, in terms of uh, the problem. Uh, with respect to the court decision yesterday, it was a Michigan versus EPA. And I think it's probably not quite as big of an issue as uh, it, might, it might seem, but it was a little bit surprising. Essentially, the, uh, uh, the majority, the traditionally called the conservative majority of the f- five justices who are traditionally in that block, uh, struck down a, uh, a regulation of mercury in power plants. And the reason was that they didn't take into account, uh, the EPA did not take into an account at the outset of deciding to regulate mercury. Uh, whether uh, w- what the cost would be. Now, I think it's uh, the way I interpret the case is it actually is setting up uh, some uh, a challenge or how the court is going to deal with the bigger climate change regulations mm-hmm. that's coming down the pike, and it's more difficult, I think, for some of the uh, big power uh, cli- the, what, what's called the um, uh, the power uh, the power plant regulations yep. uh, are what what what's going to uh, it's going to be more difficult to make the cost benefit analysis case within the American just a U.S. context. So my sense is that the the actual impact with respect to mercury is going to be overcome by the EPA going back to the drawing drawing uh, board and coming up with the appropriate cost benefit analysis. It was just on the merits. It was a little bit disturbing, I think, because you really have yeah. uh, the the. It looks like the EPA repeatedly went through a cost benefit analysis and found that regulating mercury would have thirty thirty seven billion to ninety billion dollars of annual benefits, including. Um, 4,000 or 11,000 less people dead a year from respiratory ailments, uh, 4,700 fewer fatal heart attacks, 3,000 fewer visits of children to hospitals for asthma. So they did their homework. The numbers are there, right. The court just came in and said, well, you did that later, not before. It was really, uh, you know, I think from a substantive point of view, you sort of said, what? Uh, But the... um, but I think putting it in context of the larger debate, and this is maybe a way to think of all these issues, there's a larger debate going on of these large environmental problems like climate change, mercury, uh, other, other kinds of issues of a regulation versus no regulation kind of debate, yeah. which I think is setting up um, a problem because it makes it difficult. We're talking about dialogue and conversation. It makes it difficult if you just start out, no, I'm against regulation, or yes, you got to regulate all the different problems in the world. There's not a really good uh, debate and dialogue going on between the two sides, I think. And I think this is one of the reasons why we have this really large uh, conflict in the political system in the U.S. Now, I think it's probably also appears elsewhere in the world to right. different ways. But I think that's one of the uh, one of the things that comes up or that occurs to me about this case as you try to make sense of it. How can how can this be possible that you would 
have five votes against it. I yep. think they're worried about uh, too much regulation, frankly, and they want to uh, find a, a cost benefit, you know, finding a hook to try to prevent uh, overregulation. I was going to say, is it finding the right level that, that seems to be the biggest issue? Because obviously, when you're talking about an area like this, some level of regulation obviously is needed to be able to really push the change forward that, that you really need. I think that's right. And I think, uh, you know, I, I, I mentioned this in my classes. I think that it's also important for businesses to take this issue into account, at least. Yeah. Uh, there has been traditionally, I think, a view that business should just do what it's, it's, it does best, which is maximize returns, figure out how to do that, and it does so within the constraints of regulation. And if there's a regulation, you're generally against it. Yep. And I think when we see these environmental problems coming up, though, really it doesn't work that way. There has to be some kind of a regulatory response. And I think many forward-thinking businesses are trying to get ahead of the issue and say, look, we recognize this is a problem, but let's do this rationally. Let's uh -huh. do this in a way that is not going to uh, knock our business out. Let's try to get ahead of the curve and get the appropriate smart regulation in place, or sometimes not regulation, but make the argument from a public policy per perspective because these, uh, the studies are coming in clearly for just to take climate change, for example. This new EPA study follows a risky business study, which was also bipartisan by uh, uh, Hank Paulson, former Secretary yep. of Treasury, yep. Bloomberg, uh, former mayor of New York, and, and Steyer. And uh, basically, we, we have increasingly – the EPA uh, report, by the way, is also peer-reviewed – we have clear evidence coming in that these are major risks, major costs. There's no way to avoid uh -huh. the issue. So um, uh, I think business has to step up. I was just in France, uh, just to give last, one last anecdote. I was just in France and the CEO of, uh, of uh, no Novozymes, a, a major uh, Dutch company, said, just came out and said, you know, businesses no longer can just say we're on one side and – the other guys are on the other side. There yeah. are some businesses are being forward on the environmental issues and yeah. figuring out how to make how to make money and satisfy these uh, public demands. And some businesses we have to start to recognize are just not, and they are uh, they are you know, there's a divide. And I think businesses don't really like to think that way. Uh, but increasingly, I think that's uh, that's the way of the world. That's so, the reality. So are we talking about this really coming to it ahead sometime in the next year or two, hopefully, that, that you know, as you say, more companies will hopefully understand and join together to really try and, and uh, work on climate change and, and make it and lessen the effects that, that we have? I think so. I mean, you, you can't predict the future. So I think that's uh, – I think that's – but that's, I think, behind a lot of what's happening here, right? The sci scientists are saying these things that aligns with some Pope Francis's uh, encyclical is saying yeah. these kinds of things. There, there is a movement in that direction. It's also quite possible – there's nothing guaranteed. It's also po quite possible we can hit um, what predictions are if we do nothing is 9 degrees Fahrenheit warmer yeah. in 2100. And so think about what that means. It means like on a normal summer day of 90, it's really 99. Yeah. Or if you think it's a winter day. So, you know, these average temperatures, uh, it, it, the, people don't like to think about it, but the risks that we're running are quite real. And, they, and it's, it's quite possible we won't pay any attention. Right. But I think we have to act in a way that it will matter. And, and you have to fight 
with all hands on deck, really. Father Martin, obviously, when you're talking about something like that, uh, the, the Pope, I would think, would have the opportunity to be able to bring forth a lot of, of those people that are the CEOs of companies to try and, and, and get them all together and try and make these type of changes. Well, that's right, and I, I think uh, it's a very interesting discussion because I think he says, uh, you know, in the, in the encyclical that profit cannot be the sole way that we make decisions. And so to kind of uh, amplify um, what the last speaker was saying, uh, it's, it's not simply sort of maximizing shareholder value and maximizing profit and also anticipating regulatory changes, things like that. It, the Pope is also saying, you know, when you're making decisions, can you think of how this is going to affect the poor? That that, that is yeah. actually an important factor. Uh, and, you know, they, in a sense, are a stakeholder uh, in creation, I mean, in the world. And so can you bring that, can you bring those people to the table? So, so he would be calling on CEOs to look beyond just uh, the profit motive and beyond even just, um, you know, the sort of anticipated regulatory uh, restrictions, but to take into account the, the world, the environment, and especially the poor. Yeah, I want to hear no, no great, great points. Uh, the two elements I will have is one is uh, we see now thousands of businesses. I mean, this is not new. That discussion has been going on for decades now. And uh, if you're a CEO or member of the executive suite of any large corporation, the, the question to you becomes, okay, so what can we do? Mm -hmm. What does that mean for us? And the next question is, can we actually increase our revenue becoming much more competitive sure. by changing the way we do things. And it's a very different question than saying, oh, we are responsible for climate change. So you see more and more very large corporations, small corporations, medium-sized corporations actually looking at their business model and redesigning that business model so yeah. that meet uh, different expectations from the customers, as, as Eric mentioned a few minutes ago. And then you see big corporations now also uh, diving into the climate change on the uh, both on the mitigation side and adaptation side. I'm serving on the advisory board of AXA, which is one, if not the largest insurance yep. company in the world. Yep. So AXA is viewed by people as an insurance company, but AXA has also uh, is a big asset manager, mm -hmm. one of the top 10 asset manager in the world. AXA managed close to $1 trillion of assets, its personal assets. So whatever AXA decides to do, or any asset manager, BlackRock and Vanguard, decide to do with that pile of money, uh, will make government look extremely poor. <laughs> sure, yeah. So the whole discussion about climate being all about what government needs to do, uh, I think it's time for us to have that discussion being moved to who are the big uh, movers and shakers around mm. the world, and clearly um, asset managers for once are, are, are big in that space and, as well. And as you alluded to, when, when you get all of those companies involved and kind of working on the same game plan, then you're talking about, as you said, that bottom line will show a savings, will end up being a profitable part of it. It does. Yeah. Going down the road. No question about it. And then, to Eric's point earlier, uh, you have two choices in front of you. Either you wait for the regulators to come to you, and yep. typically you never like uh, what they bring to you, yeah. <laughs> or you actually work together and start changing the standard. Yep. And then the regulators has to follow that, saying, well, this is the new industry standard that makes sense. Let's let's do it. So again, in, in the world of Pope Francis, well, let's get together and take charge on these issues. Uh, and as you mentioned in one of your questions, the cost of climate disasters, just to name that one. I mean, you have massive drought in California. Now, yep. it's very, we're not talking about something happening in 200 years. We're talking about right now. climate changing much faster than what we thought it would. 
And if you have another drought next year in California, uh, that's a big, big issue for the governor. And you're talking about dozens of, if not hundreds of billions of dollars of loss in revenue yep. at the scale of the U.S. and much more at the scale of the entire planet. Let me draw one distinction here. Maybe we've been basically agreeing, but I think there is a little bit of tension between a standard argument that business can do the right thing and make money on these kinds of issues. And the challenge that I see, in, uh, and I think Father Martin uh, mentioned this in the, in the encyclical, uh, that, well, sometimes you, you, can't, you can't square that. You know, the answers are not only going to be coming from business and technology. Mm-hmm. There has to be some other really fundamental choices about our lifestyle, what yep. really matters, and that I think goes to businesses as well as to you know business and and thinking what are what are we doing what is the uh, what what is the uh, mission of this business is it only to make a short term profit in whatever way possible or do we have these other obligations uh, to um, to other people to people and 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 to uh, and, and and to the environment so I think that's an interesting question that is part of this dialogue. Uh, that I that I hope that will I hope I hope that will find some traction. And that's a generation issue too. Every year, the uh, risk center here at Wharton does um, uh, a report of the World Economic Forum, the Davos Forum. Yep. And when you look at how the new generation think about people who are between twenty and forty years old versus people who are fifty and above, yep. they think and act very differently totally on, different. on these issues. So. Uh, in, in a matter of maybe just a matter of time where uh, if you don't do anything, maybe the next generation simply take over in 10, 15 years and actually do things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we see that in, in They're our, not too happy with how, how we've handled this. <laughs> no, so, no. Uh, it's like, oh, <laughs> start talking to their parents and grandparents saying, well, uh, what, what, did, what did I do to deserve that? But uh, we see a growing interest here at Wharton uh, among our undergrad and, and MBA students on the topic, which tells me that... Uh, Uh, something big is coming. It's already coming. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.